da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. So yes, we are finally all three, all three of us, one of a kind, back. back in the building together once again. Guess who's back? You are back. Your tooth is fixed. It is. Guys, I was, I'm sorry I missed. I really am. There's no way I could have talked for 10 minutes, let alone. Well, that's preferable. I mean. Maybe it would have been fine, but no, it was good because it gave me a lot of opportunity to make jokes about Goofy and Pluto. <laughs> so that that made me happy. Yeah. I just like to give you guys an opportunity to fire off on me without let me here to defend myself. You know, that's fine. Yes, I sorry best- I missed, but gosh, I was in so much pain. Like I haven't been to the dentist in like twenty five years, and that definitely showed once I actually got to the dentist. So lots of fun there. How's when you your sat, face, you sat face down. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. You know where I come all the time. I was here six months ago, and then I always thought that'd be a fun bit to do. <laughs> and just stand on the chair. Right, right. I don't understand how this facility works. Could you? Have I ever told you about my idea, my million dollar idea in dentistry? You know how I'm full of these great entrepreneurial ideas. Right. <laughs> I'm not aware of that. No. Yeah. The pet uh, rock was your idea, if memory serves. This one is called No Judgment Dental. And it's just, we put billboards up everywhere. Like, look, I know you don't come here every six months like you're supposed to. We won't say a word. We're not going to give you the, you really should come every six months. We're just going to fix your teeth. And we're going to, and we're going to pump you with as much stuff as legally we can give you. Even for very routine, uh, like very basic teeth cleanings. Guess what? We just shoot you up full of opium. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. (laughs) Okay, maybe not that, but it's fun. Get your teeth cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> Here come the IVs. <laughs> no, but at least a little bit because everyone's nervous. You know what? At, at Richard's No Judgment Gentle, we gas you in the waiting room. So as soon as you walk in, you're in a great mood and you're just down. And we just clean your teeth and we fix whatever's in there. And we don't say, like, you really should have come in March. No, none of that. It's just we fix your teeth. And who would not sign up for that dentist? Corolla has a great bit. Uh, fellow podcaster, podcaster Adam Corolla has a great bit where you go in and you get you have to get the root canal done, and you're like, "All right, well, you know, tag me with a little bit of that gas." And they go, <laughs> they always go like, "Well, we had a seven year old girl in here yesterday, and she did the same procedure you're doing, and she didn't take any anesthesia." And it's like, "Awesome, she's a hero." Um, <laughs> go ahead and fill me. It's I'm paying for it, so go ahead and just fill me up with as much of that gas as you legally can give me. Because why would I want to be in pain? I don't care about the seven year old girl. That's awesome, and uh, that would be the whole basis of my dentistry practice. Are you guys in? Would you come? <laughs> well, I'm sure dance? there are some dentistry podcasts that would love to hear this story right now. And <laughs> it's just you, called no. I'll open no you up judge- for booking right now. No judgment, dental. It's just we don't say anything. We don't give you any. There's no size. You just come in, you sit down, we fix your teeth, and we promise you, if we compl- if we say anything to you judgmental, it's on the house. <laughs> I love are, you, that. are you in, I'm Brian? In. I'm yeah. in. Yeah, no question. Okay, good. Well, anyway, welcome back. It's a great way Thanks. to start off the show. <laughs> a little dentist talk, a little Corolla. All I need, all I need, are dentists to sign up for my business. <laughs> Other than that, I have the whole thing. That I need dentists and I need equipment. I need office space. I've got How has there not been a horror movie about dentists? 
Yeah. Oh, surely well, there, there has. There we have to make that. Or something. It was yeah. teeth. Um, oh, but gosh. it was not a dentist. Because <laughs> dentists are so creepy all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember creepy about them. I spent a few years away from the dentist as an adolescent, and when I my mom signed me up for a new one because mine had like skipped town or something, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, went to the dentist and he was British, and I was like, "All right, bro, let's." <laughs> well, good uh, segue I'm, I'm to the uh, my teeth uh, movie of the week, Richard, which is Deepwater Horizon. Mm-hmm. As I mean, if you don't see it, you're obviously stupid. If you don't see it, <laughs> British Petroleum, no. No, I ah, no, I there you go. Obviously. Yeah? No? Okay. All right. Otherwise well, known as PB, right? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's good to be back with you. And um, I don't think we've talked Peter Berg since Lone Survivor in any capacity. It's our yeah. first up to a lot, two. though. Yeah. We've got another Peter Berg, Mark Wahlberg movie coming, I think, at the end of the year, right? Or first of next year? I think it's in, yeah, the in yeah. next spring. No, okay. it's Christmas. It's like Christmas Day or this coming Christmas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh there's, no, wow. they're just stacking them up. The Berg and the walls are just—they're <laughs> stacking them like two delicious Wahlburgers. <laughs> Double stack Wahlburger. Emmy award-winning Wahlburgers. <laughs> Emmy award-winning Wahlburgers on a nice, nice, nice bun. Yeah, no, we got uh, we've got the. Um, the Boston Marathon movie coming at Christmas with uh, directed right. by Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg. So the the, the I guess the uh, this is the Empire Strikes Back of uh, of their of their trilogy of um, sad American right. stories. They're loosely connected trilogy. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, you're kind of that right. That guy's been through seems... a lot. He's been through a lot. <laughs> yeah, it would be great if Wahlberg demanded to go by the same name. <laughs> In all three films, the names yeah. He just—you really needed to just get away from it all. Just move out onto an oil rig, and <laughs> tragedy followed. So. Then he comes back, and he's like, "You know what? I'm going to get really into long distance running. <laughs> what could go bad here?" <laughs> just trying to clear his head is all it is. Poor guy. Oh man. Um. Yeah. We had a so, we we had a listener on Twitter uh, mention. What would be the greatest thing would be for um, MacGruber to join the Fast series. Do oh, we yeah, ever we talk about pushed, that on the show? Have we pushed that as an agenda? Which is we have. Well, it, my back tattoo portrait, I think, <laughs> does the whole plot. <laughs> but um, it's a storyboard, yeah. It, it is. is a storyboard, completely. <laughs> and there's quite, I mean, there's a, def, there's a B plot, too, that goes on my chest. <laughs> But uh, it's it's uh, we have talked. Brian and I know have talked about it, like extensively. Um, uh, but I don't know if we talked about it on the pod. Yes, absolutely. That he'd be a great fit. He'd be a great fit there. I think he'd be a great fit in the Expendables. You know I what? Think the, he'd be a what? great fit if you remade. Um, what was that movie with George Clooney and uh, Matt Damon where they stole all the art from the Nazis? Monuments, Monuments Men. Men. Monuments, I was thinking Ocean's Men. Eleven. Yeah, but, uh, either one. Monuments that's fine Men? too. Okay. What if okay. they did? Because they're redoing Ocean's Eleven with all women, like Sandra Bullock and people. What if just mm-hmm. instead of Julia Roberts, it was just McGrew? <laughs> Are you in, in his white tuxedo? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dubs the way you work everywhere. it in to Fast is that The Rock and Hobbs, the U.S. government, have to recruit McGruber to go yeah. find Vin in the gang. I've got not even hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've got the perfect explanation why. So go ahead and ask me. Go ahead and ask me why are we recruiting MacGruber for this mission? Why will we recruit MacGruber 
to find Dom and the gang. Because he's the best. <laughs> Done. Plot. That's all it takes. Yeah, that's all he needed yeah. a fast By the way, Brian, you missed best. out uh, last week on MacGruber oh, 2 Talk. I know. I'm so disappointed. So I missed MacGruber 2 Talk. Give us a short synopsis Talk. of MacGruber 2 Talk. I can't wait. Uh, they said it would never happen, but as MacGruber has taught us, never ever say never ever. <laughs> Good, Shut your butt. Good, <laughs> good thoughts. Well, can't wait. Yeah, and happening. I do. I agree with you guys. Uh, we absolutely, at the very least, should get an invite to the premiere, as we are the official podcast of MacGruber, and we're like one step removed from being part of the gang. So I feel like we deserve at least to come to the premiere. If yeah. not, or parts in the movie, like I said, yeah, or you know, like roles in, yeah. in MacGruber's. I am willing to start taking stories yeah. right now and be cast as a. Uh, as like a bodyguard for Chris Jericho or something. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm in. I'm totally yeah. in. I just want the Amari cameo where he throws a drink <laughs> at me at the club and I dodge it. Yes. You th- you do you know you think of Amari? You think he knows he was in that movie? Does he remember that? Does he know? I have a lot of intellectual respect for Amari. I like everything Amari has sure. ever said, including the fact that he bathes in red wine to prolong his career. And so I think not only does Worked he know, boy, yeah. <laughs> Not only does he know he was in MacGruber, he's like, uh, like oddly proud of it more than like his. He introduces himself like as MacGruber yeah. co-star Amari Stoudemire. Amari Stoudemire of MacGruber, and <laughs> like, didn't, you, didn't you play for the Suns, Knicks, Mavericks, and Heat? And he's like, a little bit, but I was mostly in MacGruber. Yeah, I don't want to draw attention to that fact, but uh, what I'm most proud of is uh, my one second. Of MacGruber screen time and my charity. Work. I can't imagine the cameos are going to work for MacGruber too. I can't all wait for it. All right. Well, we missed a lot movie news wise while Brian was gone as well. Uh, we have Disney related news to talk about. I guess since Brian was at Disney, the yeah, world give us of a Disney. Rundown, Brian, tell us all the stuff you and Cooper did together and how much fun you had. <laughs> <laughs> Cooper had a blast. You're at home with my parents and. My wife and I enjoyed Epcot Food and Wine Festival without a child. It was it was spectacular. It does. The Food and Wine Festival sounds fantastic. How oh, mad were you awesome. though? As I just railed on you without you here to defend yourself, it's, was it? It's totally fine. You'll you'll miss a show soon, and I'm already playing. <laughs> As you should. I can't As wait. You should. <laughs> when well, I got a six flag with just a bunch of geriatrics, it's gonna be <laughs> a great episode. Yeah, it's kind of weird when you go to Discovery Zone by yourself. But... <laughs> Are there still Discovery Zones? I don't think so. It's too bad, really, unfortunately. Weird thing about me, still know the entire Discovery Zone theme song. And if we get, um, <laughs> I don't know, 250 retweets, I will sing it on an episode. All right, listeners, there's your challenge. 250. Hashtag Richard Discovery Zone. <laughs> get it trending. Okay. Um, how was your trip, though? Was it good? A lot of, yeah, lot man, of popping off at Disney World. <laughs> In we these, had a great these time. parts and days. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a great time. Lots of good, lots of good food and drink. And, uh, you know, I liked I like the theme park ride and, the uh, you know, general atmosphere and such. It was it was a good time. Good to get away. Did and you uh, did, did y'all go get your groove on at downtown Disney? The, the pop <laughs> we walked through clubs? downtown Disney at one point, uh, one one afternoon. I think the last day we were there. What's the club called? Games? Uh, I can't remember what the club. It's like Club Thirty Three or something like yeah, that. Something really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's I'm like sure. ten grand a year. Super awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Disney related news. We have more Disney movies coming. Believe it or not. Shocked Shocker. that they're yeah. continuing to print money. <laughs> they're but, making one about Brian and his kid. 
without his kid, actually. Brian and his wife. Right. He's just at home crying while we're <laughs> away enjoying Disney World. Yeah. It's called a cutaway, for, Brian. For the record, we're we're taking him next year. That's on Are you? that's on the dock. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. news to Brian and I. He'll be what, four? He'll be four. That's the deal. It's okay. like you can't go until you're four and you can conceivably remember part of it. A now question. I think that's actually in the official rule book of yeah, Disney. It is. It is. Question no. I went when I was four and I got horrible food poisoning the whole time and didn't uh-huh. get a thing. But question, which of your six trips next year are you taking him on? Just the, the third one or the second one? <laughs> right in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Right the the middle. middle quadrant. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. If, he's, if he's lucky, he'll get to go back for the sixth trip. Do they <laughs> sell season passes to them. Disney World? Or again, sorry, what? Do they sell season passes to Disney World? <laughs> they do. They do sell season passes to Disney World. Is it cheaper or not to non you, you ha- Yeah, you have to go 25 times a year. I mean, you have to go a people, certain number of days yeah. to make it worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. you got to go at least 25 for it to be worth it. But for okay. some, yeah. any, if yeah. you're a local, it's worth it. If and with not, Southwest the way it is now, it's practically free. Yeah, that's you know that's next year. That's that's what I'm using all the podcast money for that we're rolling all in. that money. Yeah, great cash, all, right. all eight dollars well, this this month, my share. Yeah. The news being that uh, John Favreau's staying with Disney mm-hmm. and doing the the uh, Lion King for yeah. them, the live which action is, version, which is interesting because. Um, there's no humans in the Lion King to mm-hmm. begin with. Mm-hmm. So imagine the Jungle Book without the human character of Mowgli and then um, insert um, Simba, Mufasa, Timon and Pumbaa, and uh, there you go. And I guess they'll do some songs, maybe some renditions, yeah. kind of like the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. And again, you're just printing money at this point. But this one seems to have gotten a lot of uh, hate. Not not hate, but uh, a lot of attention sure. uh, online for, I guess, the Lion King being a quote unquote sacred property, and we mm-hmm. have we've had this discussion a couple times even this year about the sacred properties, what or what it what or what isn't sacred, uh, in terms of franchises and rebootable things. We talked about it last week with Magnificent Seven. We talked about it with Ghostbusters, and now it comes up again. But uh, where where do you fall on the rebootability of the lion king which is now 20 years old i guess we just mm-hmm. celebrated 20 mm-hmm. years it's like uh, 23 something like any that. any thoughts yeah. on that so i'm gonna actually go first because i actually have thoughts on this brian are you shocked i have serious I'm thoughts amazed. on this amazed yeah first um, time in the history episode 247 <laughs> everybody write it down i have thoughts so like okay let's say let's say the 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 issue i have with this is when did jungle book come out do we know? I mean, you know, nineteen sixty. Okay, so okay, so first thing you have is that like a lot of the voice cast and everything is still alive on the original, on the first Lion King, right? Or still, mm-hmm. still doing yeah. stuff. Like you could right. get Nathan yeah. Lane to be Timon; it would be no big deal. Right. So, um, and you should, and you should. yeah. Um, but the thing is, is like let's say best case scenario, Favreau just goes two for two, knocks this out of the park, crushes it. It's awesome. The the animal animation slash you know, CGI is is fabulous. Songs are stripped down and it's awesome. And T-Bone Burnett and Jack White do versions of them. And it's the cinematography is great. And it's wins best. It's nominated for best picture. And it's just a total the thrill ride. The King is best picture. I'm, I'm just saying. Oh, let's yeah, say, okay. I'm saying right. best, best case scenario. This right. just owns. It totally factors the first one obsolete, right? Which is like a classic. Pro- like no one would. What kid? 
that's born that's like let's say like six years younger than Coop that's born in the next two years. What kid ever watches the animated Lion King ever again? So that's the danger, right? It's like you're almost you. It, it hurts your an existing property to have this be awesome. Mm. It enhances uh, it. If, if it enhances it, if it's like kind of okay, then you have two. You have a great version that's animated, and you have like a decent version that's not. So you can tell the kid, hey, the awesome one's animated. You can see some more realistic looking animals, but the movie's not as good. That's like the only. And then if it sucks, then everyone just sticks with the anime. But they're like, it's kind of against this movie to be awesome. Yeah, I I see it kind of like um, when you're raising a kid, say Cooper's age, who is Brian's son, who is uh, turning four next year, like mm-hmm. you said, um, you're going to show him, regardless of which one's better, you're going to show him the animated one first because yeah. it's animated and it's more right. kid friendly. So all kids are going to grow up with that one in the back of their mind, regardless of parents, unless they see this right when it comes out and they're already nine years old or eight years old or whatever, and they've never seen The Lion King to begin with. So um, it kind of ruins this one, too, in the long term, because more people are going to have grown up over the years with the original. So, again, you're kind of losing that luster uh, a little bit. And the same can be same for Beauty and the Beast, too. Similar era animated films, uh et cetera, et cetera. So... I mean, this is not. An I think Beauty and the but... Beast is way less like I'm going to show my kids kind of a movie than The Lion King because The Lion King is animals and fun songs and and there's good... at least the Ron Perlman '80s TV show of the live action. <laughs> like, there's other versions of Beauty and the Beast. Right. Is my point. and a CW TV show, you know? Yeah, perfect. yeah. You're right. I mean, it's just more of a it's kid friendly, but it's more of an adult story. It's about falling sure. in love and finding yourself, and more philosophical, really. But it has I guess the furniture is alive, but that's really the only mm. kid part about it. And well, that doesn't even come till later. But um, my the, kid, and if I know my kid, it's going to be like, I like this dad. I really like Emma Watson. This is a great version, but I need more Angela Lansbury. And I'm going to say, <laughs> you're definitely my son, and I've got you right here. Right. And then you'll watch the Golden Girls together, the whole show. All just the, um, I just don't think you could really do a Lion King without opening it like they do with the music and the sun and the whole stampede. Like you can do that in live action, I guess, but it's, it might just feel like a rip off if it's not the same song, you know, that you want to hear when you watch the Lion King, you know, there's just so much, it's like redoing Willy Wonka. Like we said the other day, like you can try to, Oh, we have these with Danny Elfman's going to do the soundtrack. We have these fun renditions of some old songs and mm-hmm. um, it can backfire in that sense. And the, it's it, not like a foolproof thing just because it, worked to a degree again to a degree in the jungle book um there was some backlash for the way they did um uh christopher walken's king louis thing yeah uh, because it was just him singing it rather than in the original there was like a chorus thing and it was way more i guess upbeat and christopher walken can't sing and all of the above <laughs> and um, that. they did that and i guess they did bare necessities which i actually enjoyed the rendition of bare necessities and the way they did that but Again, that was only two samples, and I feel like The Lion King is the music, like most of it, and you can get yeah. maybe too violent. It's very sad at parts. Like, and there's not, you know, no magic. Like, it's animated, but there's no real magic to it. So, like, I just feel like a, and I guess the same could be same for Jungle Book. Same could be said for Jungle Book, rather, but I don't know. It's just, it seems like an odd one. I just, I don't. It's no, such an it obvious one. Modern modernization. I don't. It's just such a great. 
animated film. I think it's the best, in my opinion, it's the greatest Disney animated film ever made. And so I just don't think it needs it. But look, I mean, Jungle Book probably didn't need it. That's a very good animated film. And then I really like that Favreau one. And I'm excited for Beating the Beast. So maybe I'm just protective of Lion King because it's maybe one of three or four or five definitive movies of my youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with Death Wish 2, Death Wish 3, <laughs> and um, The Importance of Being Earnest, the one with <laughs> Rupert Everett and Colin Firth, obviously. Uh, I love this as a child. But uh, no, but it's, it's uh, but it, it really is. I mean, Jurassic Park, for my, like my child, it's like Jurassic Park, it's Lion King, it's like Independence Day, and um, <laughs> probably like Rookie of the Year or something. Mm-hmm. Some R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet, but yeah. Yes. Definitive. Yeah. Just every day as a kid. Just in the crib, just trapped in the closet. I couldn't um, make my mom splurge for the entire Space Jam soundtrack at first. Don't worry, I wore it down. <laughs> but at first I just had the like dollar ninety nine single C D oh, yeah. of R. Kelly's I believe I can fly. Good times. Wow. Can't totally. believe it. Well, there are a new number of uh Disney animated movies that are getting live action reboots or or at least being talked about. So if it isn't the Lion King, I, I think the Lion King is maybe the most obvious choice, like I said, to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the most popular one. <laughs> and it's the one they re released it in 3D a couple of years ago. I think in 2014, maybe, because of uh, the 20 year anniversary. And I remember it, people talking about it again and all that and going to see it and remembering how great it was and taking their kids and that whole deal. And uh, so, again, it's easy money. And speaking mm-hmm. of, I bet Favreau, I, don't, I didn't know he would want to stay on board for another one of these, uh, to be honest with you. And I'm sure it was a hefty guarantee his way to, to do this. Sure. Um, Ryan, you want to say it or me? <laughs> you go ahead. Straight cash, homie. <laughs> yeah, straight cash. I thought you were going to say he to add him to the list of people who look like they don't smell very good. Well, I would, <laughs> but that, he is so loosely identified with Vince Vaughn and Brian. Exactly. Put, so you get, you can't have them. B.O. kind of travels. It does. Latches it does. on and it does, especially their roommates, you know, the whole hygienical situation, but I think it's cheating. I think Brian would agree. Yeah. If they were both on the list. Agree. Like if Janine Garofalo had a sister, you, you couldn't put her. <laughs> Yeah, you have to pick. Too. You have right. to pick a Garofalo sister. Yeah. Okay, Who's the world's? Me. They're the world's worst, like rockabilly <laughs> band, by the way. The Garofalo <laughs> sisters. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> great bit. All right, uh, this leads me to kind of ask the question: If it isn't the Lion King, mm-hmm. um, what what can they do uh, with these Disney ones? Which which ones are acceptable for us to reboot? And uh, I guess you we don't... can talk about. Um, they've already done Snow White, kind of, with Snow White mm-hmm. and the Huntsman, in a yeah. way. Um, they did Cinderella last year, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beauty and the Beast is upcoming uh, next year. Uh, the year after that is The Little Mermaid, which oh. is Chloe Grace Moretz as Ariel. So get That's going to be that. the one that Let's hopefully... This one. Yeah, <laughs> that'll pop the bubble, because I think like Cinderella is really good. I think Beauty and the Beast will be good. It's hard to mess up the. I feel like honestly, and John Favreau's enormously talented. He'll do a better version than I could do. But if you gave me 150 million dollars, I feel like I could make a pretty good live action Lion King movie. Um, so that one will be great. The Little Mermaid's gonna be that's gonna be the bubble burster. 
But you know what? One underwater. That's what I want to know. How do you do a movie underwater in live action? Ask James Cameron, bro. Um, <laughs> we'll see with the seven Avatar movies that are all underwater. Can't, can't wait. wait. Been doing twelve years of research for this bad boy. All right. I can't wait to be blown away in the theaters and then never care again. Um, yeah. uh, you know, one I would want to see, and this is totally selfish because I like the music of it, I love the place, and I love Randy Newman. Is the Princess and the Frog, which is a pretty new one, uh-huh. but I feel like you yeah. could do. It's not that well known. Didn't do that well. And you could do that live action with like the cool kind of Cajun soulful music, and you could cast like a really cool young actress um, to play that part. And like maybe that one should have been live action to begin with. Yeah, well, that's a good one. There are some other ones that uh, they could do. Uh, they're doing Dumbo apparently with Tim Burton, Stop so it. that one is coming. <laughs> that's a hard pass for me. God, yeah. Let's just forget Dumbo exists to begin with. That's an awful. Awful little movie. Is it? I don't think I've ever <laughs> yes. seen it since I was oh my like gosh. Three. I remember it's finding horribly it enormously dated. depressing. Yeah, it's horribly dated for one thing, which I don't typically I'm not one to hold like 70 year old movies up to 2016 standards as far as like social commentary, but that <laughs> well, one in particular just gets like a little, man, it's a little racial. So racist. Yeah. Just yeah, so good. brutally racist. Okay. And it's just it's really depressing and kind of boring. Like my mother-in-law showed Coop uh, Dumbo, and after about 20 minutes, he was just like, we've got to get out of this. Like, anything. <laughs> oh. We need to leave the room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's coming, though. So we can't really avoid it. Um, Pinocchio is one that oh, has trust been me, talked I can't. about. <laughs> oh, you will. Can and will. Uh, Pinocchio is one that's been talked about over the years. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. has expressed wanting to do it and remake it and play Geppetto in some sense. Some mm-hmm. kind of like a modernized version of Pinocchio. So I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Maybe some kind of dystopian, futuristic <laughs> version of it. You know, kind of yeah. a different twist on it rather than, come here to Geppetto's workshop with Jiminy Cricket <laughs> and all this, you know. <laughs> just trying to just make it so much like the Disney movie. Uh, they could really do a different kind of spin on Pinocchio, um, I think. But that one has been talked about, I think, for we've been talking about it ever since this podcast started. Honestly, so they've never gotten that one off the ground. Um, let's see here. Uh, Bambi, live action Bambi. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Larry, Larry the Cable Guy at the beginning. <laughs> I think that one lends itself. I wrote about this in the newsletter this this week. Oh and that yeah, was one you of did. The, it was one very of the five good. that I listed was, and not necessarily because I want to see that, but just because I think, in terms of like following in the footsteps of Jungle Book and Lion King, it lends itself to that treatment to the live action treatment. It could do a very good story with Bambi just because of the story. Exactly. You know what I mean? It really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. It's a very yeah. easy one to redo and kind of have that same effect, you know? Right. Uh, right. Not to give away the ending, but <laughs> it's quite, <laughs> sure. it's quite emotional. Yeah. 70 yeah. uh, so, year old spoiler alert. The mom dies pretty early on. So they also tried to do in a sense, uh, sleeping beauty with Maleficent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, with Angelina Jolie, that worked to a sense. I think they're getting a sequel out of that. Yeah, it made a lot of money. Yeah, it did so, well. Yeah, not I did didn't that. enjoy it, but it, it did well. Also, we have Lady and the Tramp, maybe live action dog and uh, two dogs, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know yeah. how that works. I don't know if that I, works I'm just there. thinking of all these ones that they're going to reboot and how. Yeah. 
totally. they're going to picture when they, they announce it. Uh, 101 Dalmatians has already been done twice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sure. But that one is easily rebootable, I guess, even from the previous live-action one, I feel like. That yeah. one kind of writes itself for um, an audience. Get ready uh, for a bunch of sad Dalmatians and Pounds videos like after that movie right. comes out. Because yeah. <laughs> everyone always adopts them. And they're like, oh, they're mean. Right. They're very mean. Yeah, they're, they're kind of a mean dog. Yeah, we don't like this. Yeah. They don't care for children at all. Right. Sarah McLaughlin's doing the soundtrack for that reboot, too. So. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Believe Did I ever tell you my great joke that my friend made a video out of? And if you enough people tweet me, I can find it. Look, I should preface this by saying no one loves animals or dogs more than me. But I made a joke one time, like in passing on Twitter, like, wouldn't it be great if they said, we're going to do this video, get that angel song. Um, but instead of instead of Sarah McLaughlin's angel, um, someone got angel by Shaggy. <laughs> so, so, you have, so my buddy Julian edited that commercial together. It exists somewhere on YouTube. I can try to find it. Of all this super sad, like three legged dog footage, and it's like, You're my darling, baby. Closer than my peeps, you are to me. And I don't know why, but it's like the most absurdest, funny video of all time. And it makes, I can't even look. Like, if people post sad dog stuff on Facebook, I not only scroll, I block them. Um, but for some reason, that's the only, the only way I can look at sad, unadopted dogs is if Shaggy's playing. It just makes me laugh so hard. Please, I, I if if you find that video, send it to our Twitter or something okay, so we can retweet it. I will. All right. To. So they've already done Alice in Wonderland twice. Mm. Alice in Wonderland with Tim Burton, and then the sequel uh, through the Looking Glass or hashtag Richard through the Looking Glass. If you would like to <sighs> go, on, go on a journey. Uh, Princess and the Frog. Richard mentioned that's a good one. Um. It was 2009 when it came out, so it hasn't even been 10 years. So I don't know how excited people would be less than 10 years away. There hasn't been much nostalgia built up with that yet. Uh, and that's kind of what you're you're banking on, though, if you're Disney, right, is the nostalgia factor of these movies that we grew up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one. I don't know how you could do this. Uh, Robin Hood mm. in a kind of kid-friendly way, maybe with the fox and everything. Uh, could you do that? I don't know if that translates, but I'm that's my all time favorite Disney movie, so I'm a little partial to just leaving that one alone. Uh-huh. I think okay. you run it with some of these movies, I think you run into not necessarily has Disney done it, but is there like we have a lot of Robin Hood movies. So I'm not sure that that one Peter that's Pan's I mean. the other kid, one. A kid like literally yeah. a reboot of the animated one, but just yeah. like wait. I don't I don't know if that works or not. But Peter Pan's the same way. It's like I kind of would be interested to see Disney do a live action Peter Pan, but there's been so many friggin' Peter Pan movies that you just that aren't Disney that you just kind of have to like. Well, maybe the market's just tapped out on that. Yeah, that one. It's not one that we need to revisit. Um, Pocahontas. I could see that one. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Terrence Malick basically did that not too long ago. So, <laughs> so did James Cameron. Um, <laughs> I just found that shaggy video. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, no. Okay. We can't stop down the show for that. That'll no, be on our can't. Twitter at some point later. Yes, absolutely. So Pocahontas is one that's going to happen. So get ready for that announcement. Like, literally in the next couple of months, they're going to announce that. I I can mark it down <laughs> right now, set in stone. Yeah. Uh, they actually announced today, believe it or not, that Mulan 
will be coming out November 2nd, 2018. Live action Mulan. That could be cool. Mulan. That could yeah. be cool because there's a lot of action in that. Yeah. Same and, with Pocahontas. Yeah. No, that, that both of those. I'm totally fine with both of those. Uh, here we go. Hercules. Remember that one? They've tried that with The Rock, I guess. Of course, do I remember that one? My Tate Donovan fan club talks about it once a week. <laughs> <laughs> Big Tate Donovan fan over here. I don't know if you guys knew that about me. I think they're doing... Um, the Sword in the Stone. Somebody's doing this. I think it's Guy Ritchie. Yeah, maybe? they've well. He's got a King Arthur movie. Yeah, that's, that's kind of yeah. That kind of bumps up against like what I'm saying about Peter Pan and Robin Hood of all those. It's just like, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Disney do that live action. But there's, it seems like every five to eight years we get a King Arthur movie, and they're always not very good. So, you may just have to leave that one alone. So, uh, the Rescuers. Remember them. You can't yeah. really do that one. I love The Rescuers Down Under. That one is a great, that's a great animated movie. If you go mm-hmm. back and watch it, I mean, it's, I don't even think it was released in theaters, was it? Um, I remember watching I it growing up, and it's, the animation is just great. Uh, it, it's an underrated one, yeah. and it's one worth checking out. Uh, American Treasure, Bob Newhart in that one. Exactly. It's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. It, it is good, and, and it's one that, uh, you need to go back and revisit. So we have Fantasia. You couldn't really do that live action. That would be like a trip, though, if you tried to. Uh, that would be yeah. crazy with the centaurs and the fire and Mickey. Oh, my gosh. And... <laughs> oh, man. I'm kind of in on it. Yeah, I'm not thinking about it. Uh, that could be really cool. Uh, if they're willing Who would to... direct Think of Terrence Malick. <laughs> yeah, that's your Terrence Malick. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick? I mean, I would have loved to have seen that or something. Sure. Hmm. Fox and the Hound? Or like maybe like uh, Louis Lettier, see what he could do with it. <laughs> a lot of spinning camera, yeah, a lot of GPS spin. systems. <laughs> yeah, tons of tons of carousels. Really trippy, super trippy. Um, okay, sure. <laughs> this is the one that's obvious, but it needs to kind of happen. And Disney has to do it. Is Aladdin? You have to. Yeah. You can uh, totally sure. do that live. The only reason somewhere. they haven't. Agreeing with that first one as I think they're letting the Robin Williams, um, mm-hmm. yeah. whatever that is, kind of cool down, um, which I I really respect that decision to do so. I think I think they know that's a big pot of money waiting for them, but you don't want to you don't want to be disrespectful um, because that's that's a movie to so many that he's so uh, a, a part of, and and mm-hmm. so I think give that a little time and maybe do that one later on because it's sitting there. It's easy to do. You can do that anytime. Yeah. And there's so many, and that's a part that. That's why I uh, mentioned it last. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think I think that's one that maybe the could be the coolest live action. Obviously, Dane Cook as the genie, but I think you have to. Uh, <laughs> that one took Brian a second. Took him a minute. Um, no, but you have to wait for that. To kind of, I mean, I know it's been a couple of years, but that's that's yeah. important. And you have you to give that. You got to give that some breathing room. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think, but that would be the one I would be maybe most excited to see live action. That could be really cool. A little, uh, maybe movie rumbling is, uh, I've heard that they have enough outtakes of Robin Williams doing, or B roll of Robin Williams doing the genie of stuff that they didn't use to make another movie with his voice as the genie. Uh, and they were gonna try to do that, I guess, uh, with maybe a reboot or a live action or a sequel or something. 
But uh, something in Robin Williams' will prevented that from happening or something, or they would have gotten sued for doing that. So that's not a possibility. But that, if it was a possibility, would have been a cool way to pay tribute to him and give him a cool kind of posthumous uh, yeah. nod, I think. I think that if they could have worked it in organically, I think that could have been something something cool. But whatever we'll else. Also cool of them to eliminate that because sometimes that can really be bad if you know if you did a performance in 1970 that never got out and somebody releases it and makes a ton of money and the family totally. doesn't get anything that can totally. also backfire too so i could see why he would have that in his will but maybe it would have been cool to see one last voice uh performance from robin williams but that's an obvious one and like i said these are coming guys these are coming down the pipe oh yeah, yeah. talking about yeah. a lot of these and um just a matter of matter of days before they announce the Hunchback in Notre Dame and <laughs> the Emperor's oh, New yeah. Groove. There's so many of them, you know. There's so many that you forget about. Uh, Oliver and Company, guys, can't wait for oh, that one. Man. Aristocats, here we go. <laughs> but it's just they're they're telling the joke the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> man, why is this movie rated R? Huh? I guess we'll take Kid anyway. <laughs> it's Gilbert Godfrey is the entire thing. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's great. That's all I think we should go out on this podcast, by the way, is just tell the aristocrats jokes. That's how <laughs> no, we, that'll right. be the last that's episode. Okay. Not on this episode. I mean, oh. whenever we decide to end this, the last yeah. episode will be 45 minutes of the aristocrats, and then we just go away. Forever. Followed by the moth joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's move on and uh, take a break and then talk some deep water horizon, guys. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com mad. That's blueapron.com mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. 
So Deepwater Horizon, guys. Um, speaking of our topic earlier, in which we talked about the, the window of Disney movies and uh, relevancy and things like that, uh, how far away from an event is it uh, applicable to make a movie of something that happens? Well, uh, it's kind of a continuum, right? Uh-huh. It's like either right after or 50 years after. It's it's odd when they're like eight years after. <laughs> sure. Kind of. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. Or I, I just I, I just remember this so well is why I ask. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. and I, I didn't really know much. I guess what, what I can say is I didn't know much about the Deepwater Horizon side of this story. Uh, we heard about the oil spill and the whole drama and aftermath of the oil spill. So mm-hmm. going into this movie, I was thinking about a few things. I was thinking about, A, how are they going to pay respects to the families? that actually went through this uh, tragedy. Mm-hmm. B, um, was this going to be an effects-driven uh, picture or a acting-driven picture or family-driven picture? I didn't know what to expect on that front, like what the yeah. balance would be. And uh, I was wondering how they were going to handle the BP side of things as well, because there are several sides to the story and, and all that. Um, so I had a lot of interest, I guess, or curiosity going into this one. and. Um, this was a crazy experience, I guess, was what I can say about seeing this movie. Um, lots of fire, guys. There's so much fire (laughs) in my face, uh, a lot, and, uh, that's fine, because I understand that that's what happened. Uh, there was just a lot of fire, um, and I just can't believe that they would have actually filmed in fire for that long. Uh, honestly, (laughs) if they did, you know, hats off to Mr. Berg and company. And Wahlberg and everybody, but it seemed like uh, it seemed like they were really there, and it mm-hmm. made me it gave me anxiety, you know, being yes. in uh, the fire mm-hmm. and with what was happening. Uh, this was kind of a combination of uh, of uh, this was a kind of combination of Titanic and sort of backdraft. Remember yeah, I was going to say with uh, yep. Ron Howard made. It's oh, sort yeah. of a Remember, combination of those two two movies. Uh, in a sense, I really got a kind of a Titanic sense when the actual tragedy started happening. Just kind of how the events escalate to a point where they're completely out of the control of the people that were in charge of the vessel beforehand, and uh, it kind of it works in in that perspective of um, building tension and everything. And I think that's kind of what its purpose is to do as a as a movie, as an entertainment property or entertainment vehicle, I guess. Um, but I think it's real purpose is to kind of just tell the story. Here's what happened. And man, this sucked, you know, to, for these people yeah. to have to endure this rather than, uh, making this all about being a popcorn movie, which I appreciated. So right. it, um, it was, it was definitely an experience and, uh, I don't have much bad to say about it because, um, honestly, there isn't much of, of acting going on as it pertains to the family side of things. Uh, we see, you know, uh, Kate Hudson at the beginning and everything. And that's, that's fine and great. Um, and we see her more at the end, but, uh, I want to talk about some of the performances when we're actually on the oil rig and everything. The majority of the film takes place on this oil rig. And I had never, you know, I, 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 of course, knew about them, but I had never seen documentaries about them or anything. I didn't know what mm-hmm. they were like for the people that actually worked on them, how they get choppered in and everything. That's in, in, insane. I can't believe they do that as their day job or their 
means of uh, making a living, but I definitely commend and respect and honor all those people that do that. Um, so this gave me a totally. lot of appreciation for that uh, sure. in that sense. But um, some of the inner dealings of, of what goes on on there is just incredibly fascinating when it comes to the mm-hmm. decisions that these people have to make. Uh, Kurt Russell's character and yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, John Malkovich, um, who was, I mean, going going for it in this movie. Let's be honest, you know, as far as uh, yeah, performance. It was full try Malkovich. You which know, you don't always get. You don't always get that. And, um, I mean, it didn't work for me a lot of the time. Um, I don't know how accurate to the person he was portraying it was. But uh, it was fine for this, I guess. But uh, it seemed a little over the top at some points. But, I mean, I, like I said, I've got to commend the guy for trying and giving his full effort on this. This wasn't a throwaway by any means uh, to him. So that's great. But, no, um, it's a big budget movie where I don't think anyone was getting a paycheck. Just getting a paycheck. I think everyone cared at least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be the the case with the Patriots Day movie about the Boston bombing because mm-hmm. that one was 2013, I think. Yeah. Not even. Yeah, this three was 2010, and Patriots Day is 2013. Well, wow. so that's getting pretty close to that uh, that window we were talking about. But um, man, with this one, I just got to say it's kind of like. United 93, you know, in a sense where it's like, it's just an experience kind of a thing. And I don't know if I'll ever sit down and watch this movie again. I, I sure as heck would stop by it if it was on TV or something. But mm-hmm. it uh, it was just kind of a, a crazy thing to, to witness uh, for an um, hour and 47 minutes. So um, those are my general thoughts. And I'm, I'll get into specifics later, but I'm interested in yours, uh, Brian. Yeah, you know, it's a this is a it's kind of movie that's like it's better than it really had any not necessarily any right, but it, it's definitely better than it could have been, I guess. Um I kind of went in expecting this is going to be okay, but that it wasn't going to be anything that really uh gripped me or or um really held my interest uh beyond just or, or left me with something walking out of the theater. Um and instead, I was I was quite riveted to the screen. Um I think this is I don't know this is the best movie that Peter Berg has made, but I do feel like it is the most like it's to this point. It's kind of the the most Peter Berg movie that Peter Berg has ever made. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like I, I love Peter most Berg. Berg. Yeah. 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 I love Peter Berg because he's he you know, because he gave me Friday Night Lights and um, I like his sensibilities. I do love Battleship, even though it is not a good movie. Um like Michael Bay that has a brain. He's yes, like it's exactly favorite. what it is. He's the, he's the thinking man's Michael Bay. Um, but he's he's kind of <laughs> perpetually. Most comment of all yeah, time. I know. And I don't he mean has, it to be. It's like Michael it. Bay, but with a brain. Right. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't mean that as a, as a, a diss because Michael Bay is great at what he does as far as the explosions and the effects and all that sort of stuff. It's just everything you else that goes into it where you're just like, oh, man. Cars. It's brutal. Um, the dialogue and, you know, having Steve Ashimi ride a rocket and things like that is just like really kind of absurd and not good. Uh, that would be a good way to put it. Not good. Peter Berg is kind of perpetually stuck between making an Oscar movie and making a huge blockbuster. And and so, you know, you go down the list of his his like filmography and it it seems like he's he's always like kind of straddling the line. And as such most of those movies don't don't quite make it 
on either front. Like I, I enjoyed Lone Survivor. Enjoyed is a really stupid word to use for that, but I think Lone Survivor is a very good movie, but it is not. It's not as good as as it maybe should be or or, or could be. And it's um. Go back and art to listen to our review on that one if you really. Yeah, like. I mean that was like an A minus type of movie when. You kind of wanted that to be an A plus, and it was right? in the pool it, of it Oscar just, season, though. Like we weren't thinking right. about that right at that moment. We were thinking yes. about, oh, you know, was is Whiplash going to win the Best Picture? Sure. You know, kind of a thing. So, uh, so, so it, it's kind of a, a letdown in some ways, even though it's it, it's a fine movie. Even Battleship, as absurd and and crazy as Battleship is, I think part of why it's not more well-regarded as just a cheesy, ridiculous action movie is that it, it kind of does try to play up the patriotism and make it all about, you know, America and all this. And you're just it like, is, well, to be fair, the based on a board game. Yeah. I was going to say Rihanna's performance <laughs> oh, just kind of okay. elevates it. Definitely <laughs> elevates it. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I've got her in our Oscar pool. So at some point, that <laughs> I got Brooklyn off, Decker uh, in that pool. So we're going <laughs> to, it's a good time for everybody, but you know what I mean? Like he, he, he's kind of perpetually stuck between these two worlds. Mm -hmm. And and this is the, this is not going to get him Oscars. Maybe that's Patriot day that, that has that kind of cachet. I, I don't know, but, but this is the one where it seems like he's the most, um, focused in a way. And I, I thought it was really good. I'm, I'm surprised at how, how, how positive I was coming out from the movie you're right Ken. like it's it's not one that i'm going to sit down and watch multiple times uh it's it's quite brutal at, at times but i think it i think it gives a very fair portrayal of what uh took place on you know on that day and on the on the rig i think it's very obvious that they're you know he's he's pointing out who's who's the bad guy and who's not but it's not heavy-handed or preachy to me i, I think he just kind of laid out what I feel like are the facts or what seems to be the facts based on, you know, uh, articles and, and, uh, and the internet, uh, which is always right and never lies about anything. So, <laughs> not, uh, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still, still batting a thousand, but, uh, it's, I, I think they did it. I think he did a very good job of just kind of keeping it on track, telling the story of what happened there. Not so much worrying about, um, what led up to that, you know, or, or what the aftermath, I guess. Um, and I thought that that made it a, that kept it under two hours, which I greatly appreciate. Cause I don't think I needed another 30 minutes on an oil rig like that, but, but also I think, um, made it clear of like what an incredibly difficult job this is and the industry itself, like how insane it is in a lot of ways. Yeah. And yeah. all the various, all of the various industries that are tied to this industry and such, I, it was it was very interesting. I thought he did a great job of kind of giving you a crash course on, uh, you know, deep deep water drilling 101 um, without it becoming like a slog to get through. And and I, I appreciated that. I'm I'm pretty high on this. I I liked it uh, quite a bit more than I expected to. I guess. Wow, cool, Richard. Any generals? Yeah, I liked it as well. I think Pete Berg does you know, big blockbuster movies that are a little bit uh, aimed a little bit more towards adults than a lot of big blockbuster movies. Sure. I think um, there's some heavy handedness here. It reminds me a lot of a, um, I think it's a very similar movie to Sully in that whatever kind of weirdness there is, it's, and it's going to be the case anytime you do it, anytime you do anything for a mass audience about a true story, you know, where you sort of, 
create characters that are a mix of maybe three or four real life people. I, I would like to know the real life story on this to kind of compare to because there are, I, I you know when you when you make a movie about real life and then have and then have very defined goods and bads and lights and darks. Real life isn't normally like that. And so the only critiques you would have would be there, but maybe it was that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing to believe that it was, uh, but I need to be shown that. And, you know, like the things that have come out with Sully is, and they were open about it. It's not that it was like a big investigative piece is that they kind of combined characters and, and use, you know, sort of a general feeling to create a, a counter narrative and to create a, uh, an antagonist, you know, uh, but, but for the most part, I, uh, I, I, I have to say, I really enjoyed myself in this and I'm, I'm interested to get into it a little more with you guys and let's, let's do that. Yeah. What stood out to you? Uh, first of all, Richard, um, I, I kind of like the intro, how they kind of started off with the court, uh, narration yeah. of the trial. I thought that was an interesting way to, uh, intro the movie because ultimately it ends up that way you're kind of foreshadowing on you know there's going to be something awry or some disagreement is going to happen to how how could anybody possibly be in trial for a disaster that happened you know what i mean it's kind of a a weird thing to think about um a natural disaster in in a sense happening and because of us obviously but um um that happening and then people being held liable for it is is crazy so they start that off but um then they kind of get into the family life, but what stuck out to you as far as something you didn't expect from this movie? That I didn't expect um, the court uh, aspect of it and how they played that and how um, they returned to it later. And we'll talk about which sides we're on and all that uh, here in a here in a sec. But uh, that I, I enjoyed how they played with the legal side of of things here. Me too. I, I mean, I'm. Per, I, I. This is one of those news stories that I'm decently read up on. I knew a lot about it going in, which isn't always the case. I like. I didn't know hardly anything about Sully going into that. This one I happen to know a little bit about, so I wasn't too surprised as to what they were trying to do there. But I really enjoyed the angles they took on it, um, and then sort of general really like likes on this. Look, they built a big freaking oil rig and they built a big uh, freaking set, and I like the way they attacked the rig scenes and it wasn't all CGI and it was actually, you know, it's yeah. the most expensive set ever built. I saw that set uh, stat the other day. Um, you know, they built uh, everything for the most part was practical. I mean, I'm sure enhanced by computers and effects a lot, but uh, what I liked most about this movie and, and like Brian, I think touched on a little bit in his piece was uh, that, it, you know, it felt, it felt to him real uh, and he was super locked in. And I think the way it was produced in terms of, uh, scale really added to that. But to your point, Ken, on the, in the with the courtroom pieces, yes, that was a really interesting angle and a attack that that uh, narratively was really interesting. The way that where that where they placed that within the story was was super interesting and uh, and, and I think really smart. Yeah, it um, you kind of risk showing too much of that. You know, you, totally. you kind of have to straddle the line perfectly there, and I felt like they did for the most part. Um. Brian, any thoughts on big likes uh, from this movie? Anything? We yeah, I think that's so the big thing is you've got what Richard mentioned. The the set pieces look outstanding. Like that's just that's the sort of uh, look that you just you can try all you want with computers, but you've got to have some sort of practical effect to really pull that off, at least to make it feel right. And I, I feel think like that we lends should, itself. I, I mean, for the most part, say most of the underwater stuff was probably 
uh, CGI. Oh, Most of the sure, fire was sure. probably CGI, and a lot of the oil was probably CGI. But I mean, the set itself was right. practiced. I mean, they were on a rig of some kind. I mean, they're climbing on real poles and ladders yeah. and things, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it looked. I, I was convinced that they were on the actual rig itself. Uh, sure. You know, one that was out of commission or something. I'm surprised to hear that it was just a big set that they built and. Yeah, they built some, some basically the rig. I mean, they rebuilt it essentially. Yeah. Wow. To the exact specs? Yes, to the specs. It's like, I think they said it's about 85% of the actual rig itself. Good grief. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's like a $160 million budget, and I think like $110 million went to that. <laughs> That's incredible. Amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, did they blow up the actual rig at the end? Or was that, that model not. or CGI? That'd be interesting to. Yeah, I'm assuming it was some kind of I hope they blew it up. I hope they just were like, we're up. (laughs) We got one shot at this, boys. Other than that, we don't have a movie. Let's get it. (laughs) Crazy. Very crazy. Um, That's a big one. Uh, How do we feel like the family aspect of this was played up? Uh, One complaint I do have, can we stop having, like, dramatic things happen when people are talking on Skype or on FaceTime? That's that's how we start all of our our shows, is we weep to each other. Yeah. How many Skype conversations have we had where one of us just randomly had to run off screen and, I don't know, fight something? That happens every week, I feel like. At least I'll be right on. back. Yeah, hold on, guys. Got to fight the mailman again. But I Why mean, does he that's come a cliche so that, that I can't stand, you know, that it needs to stop. Yeah, no, you're absolutely yeah. right. Maybe it happens Is it way. better or worse than the I've got a file on that guy scene? Which which do you hate more? Well, they that's did. your big pet. They they had that. Um, I they didn't have that in this, but they did have another pet peeve of mine, Brian, which is the pointer scene. Uh, multiple pointer, <laughs> yeah. multiple pointer scenes in this movie. Uh, well, how does it work? How does this pumping action? How does this drill work? Like they felt like they had to tell the audience twenty five times what an oil rig is, <laughs> what mining is. You know what I mean? Like basically, we're pumping oil from the ground. Uh, that's all we kind of need to know, and that the fact that I mean there was so much technicality what? here. Um, they didn't need to go into as much detail, I don't think, as far as the technical aspect of what actually happened. I mean, does that you know what I mean? They really I, paid. I get what you're saying. To. I I take I think I I guess I take the other side of that. I felt like they did a very good job of conveying what was happening in the. Not the dumbest version possible, but at least like kind of the, the briefest version, the the Cliff Notes version of like, okay, we're gonna run this negative pressure oil test. It's gonna do this. Okay, great, and we we move on with that. I I thought that that was handled quite well. Richard, a lot of pointers. Yeah. Um. Hmm. I, I had developed a, a thought on this either way. Uh. You know, look, it's a movie made. I I, I always assume on that kind of stuff. I live in Texas. I live in Texas most of my life that maybe I know more about oil than like the rest of the country. So maybe they needed that. I didn't, I can see your point Cam, but I can also see where maybe someone had no idea how it worked. I don't, I I honestly don't know. Okay. Well, we, while we're talking about it, I need to talk the BP aspect of this. And, uh, I didn't really know their involvement to be honest, like how, I guess how involved they were on the actual rig itself. Um, so I guess mm. they were on the rig when this happened. They were the ones that commanded the test to be done or whatever. And uh, that's why they were held liable for it, because they would have never done the test had it been up to the captain, who uh, had a flawless record, which is made clear. And mm. uh, 
that's that was interesting. Those some of those scenes between Kurt Russell and Malkovich were good, you know, mesmerizing kind of them their back and forth and uh the debate on whether they should do this and all that um was fun. And uh something I didn't expect from this movie was some good character acting. Uh sure. and we got that. I appreciated it. Um but what did you mm-hmm. think of how they worked the BP aspect of uh the movie and how were they portrayed as a villain for you know, kind of, I mean, obviously they are, um, but, um, it's kind of obvious when, I mean, they're wearing like BP shirts and everything, uh, and I mean, you gotta have to know who they are and that's kind of a subtle way to do it, but, um, it was just kind of, um, I don't, not corny, but I can't think of the right word for it. It was just kind of, um, disrespectful in a way to, to associate <laughs> maybe everybody that, uh, works for BP to be awful. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, yeah, no, I, I got if you. If you ever worked for Enron in the past, you're automatically a horrible person in, in a sense. Does that make sense? Sure. Uh, that's yeah. kind of the vibe I get where they're trying to push totally. with, uh, with this, but that's fine. Um, yeah. I think people forget sometimes, and I, you're right. Get narratively. I think that's a really important point is narratively. It makes sense. We get, it's convenient. You don't have six hours to tell a story, but you know, Sometimes people are just employees for a company that sucks. <laughs> right. It's right. like they're using yeah. the, the BP logo in this movie like it's the imperial symbol yeah. on Darth Vader's TIE right. fighter kind of a thing. You know, like beware of anyone who wears the BP. is You should watch out because they're going to blow up your oil rig right in front of you. <laughs> uh, right. But, uh, you know, again, credit to Malkovich for caring and giving us something yeah. to kind of hate uh, in this. So. That was good. What do we think of Kurt Russell in here? God, I can't wait for freaking Guardians. Like, I was just thinking about him and Sly together in that yeah. movie, in this, in that universe. It's going to be awesome. But Kurt Russell's on a comeback. He's going to Keaton everybody in the next couple of years <laughs> and just be on the top. Like, just wait. I love Kurt Russell. And the thing that he has, Michael Keaton is a better actor than, uh, than Kurt Russell is just overall. Uh, but what Did Kurt Russell has Flight? that. I I, look, my deal is my, my whole deal is uh, Kurt Russell has the cool factor that that Michael Keaton will will never have. Like you just see Kurt Russell, and you immediately think of movies like Tombstone and uh, Escape from New York and stuff like that. And you just he oozes coolness, and uh, and that it's cool to see him do that now at whatever age he is now because he's probably like he's got to be pushing sixty at this point, and he just. He comes on screen, you're just like, man, look at that dude. He's awesome, you know? <laughs> he's awesome. It's, it's, and he, I think he's kind of, he, for me, I thought Wahlberg was very good in this. Uh, I thought, I, honestly, I think all the cast did a great job. I think Kurt Russell kind of centers it at times and is kind of, not necessarily the focus of the narrative by any means, but he, his on-screen presence, I think, brings almost a little, like a, a bit of credibility to the whole thing because he yeah. just has this poise on screen that um, allows you to overlook any accent issues that might be happening or, um, you know, the <laughs> the little, like, flare extra touches of patriotism, like, we've got to see the American flag two or three times as the flame burns behind it, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of stuff. But then we get back to Kurt Russell, and you're like, okay, this is fine. Like it, it, it keeps the the, the thing kind of grounded in a way, and I think that's all due to him. It's just his presence on screen is is so good and so uh, commanding. Yeah, I agree. It was in this movie. 
um, the scene of him in the shower and everything going to hell in the shower and then him having to get out and the glass and the, all the almost like, holy crap. <laughs> you know, I did right. not expect right. that in this. Uh, this is a PG-13. Am I mm-hmm. wrong? Sure. This should not yeah. have been PG-13. Yeah. They been... really pushed it. Really pushed what you can you can get away with. Um, I, I think it just goes to the fact of there's no guns. You know what I mean? There's no yeah. guns or F-bombs or sex, so it's got to be PG-13, <laughs> even though it's really brutal and uh, kind of depressing at times. Yeah. I don't know about the sex part. The, the first scene might disagree with you. With oh, whole, that's true. I, I want a brother that. and all that. Uh, <laughs> Like but it's wholesome right family sex. Yeah, PG-13. Yeah. Welcome, yeah. kids. All right. Um, that was cool. The R-rated version has the MacGruber <laughs> cut, and just right off the bat. Yeah. Um, we. What did you think about the magenta tie and everything? Shot. What did you think about uh, that? What did you? Did that work for you or not? The oh, magenta is the color you don't want to see on an oil rig. Yeah, I think that was, was that your. Kind of a, that's the pointer scene that I was like, okay, that's yeah, kind of dumb. exactly. You don't need to. That's fine. That was just kind of like a those moments happen. You're just like, well, this is you have to tell a story. This is a movie, after all. This is not a documentary. You know, like (laughs) you kind of have to tell a plot, you know, foreshadow something in some way. Use some kind of thematic device to move things along. But some of them Mm -hmm. are more obvious than others. Sure, but that's fine. Um, I liked. I don't know if I liked it, but the pelican flying around in the ship, or not in the ship, but on the rig, and it was covered in oil, and it was f- f- going crazy. Um, I yeah. thought that was a good way to kind of address that situation without literally sure. showing people, like, with, like, sponges, like, sponging off pelicans right. as they, like, get yeah. on the land, you know. And mm. that's, like, kind of the other way to do it, I guess. But th- that was a good way, a, an intense way to address that. And um, it did make you feel bad for the bird. It, it realize the gravity of the situation and everything and i mm-hmm. I, I just liked that uh that kind of touch it was maybe 15 seconds of the movie but um that was kind of a good way to address it without addressing it in a sense mm-hmm. yeah agree any other uh any other notes you have on big likes uh, of this movie any other scenes uh stick out to you nope you know I think Kate Hudson did a really good job with the, she didn't have a whole lot of scenes. Obviously she's not a main focus, but it's been a long time since I've um, appreciated a Kate Upton. No, not Kate Upton. I, well, sorry. I appreciate Kate uh, Upton every day. <laughs> I thought Kate Hudson, it's been a while since I've appreciated a, a Kate, Kate Hudson scene uh, in a performance. And I thought, I thought she did a very good job of keeping it um, from being overboard, you know, and just kind of having, Obviously, a very a real emotional uh, response to having a, a loved one involved in something like this, but without it being so overblown that you're just kind of rolling your eyes by the end of it. I, I, I very much, I thought she was great. I thought she was really good in a, in a, in a limited capacity. Cool. Richard, anything else before we hit some dislikes? I agree with Brian, but let's hit some dislikes. Yeah, what did you guys dislike? I feel like I've actually said everything I disliked or anything that stuck out to me as far as that's concerned. I think the consolidation, from what I believe, of some of the heavies in this was a little uh, overhanded and a little simplistic. But I think this isn't a movie made by a small scale trying to prune out the intricacies of X, Y, and Z. So even the things I disliked, I can easily, um, I can easily make you know make peace with because it's a hundred and sixty dollar 
$160 million movie made for a mass audience. And I get that. I understand the economics of that. I understand the type of movie this is trying to be. Um, but sometimes it's and same with Sully. It's like, okay, that's the, the convenience of, uh, of the, you know, evil forces at work sometimes is a little eye rolling. What about you, Brian? Yeah, that's There's always like these touches with, with Peter Berg where he, like I said at the outset, I feel like this is one of probably his most focused movie, at least since Friday Night Lights. And and yet there's there's like these little um, little side trips to make sure we work in the American flag and uh, make sure that we make it pretty clear that uh, that this particular BP executive is is the devil, not just uh, BP overall. You know, I, for the most part, I felt like that was uh, that was handled well and they avoided just going overboard on that kind of thing. but. It did seem like uh, every once in a while we've got to take a little trip over here and, and make sure you uh, make sure. Did you, did you did you see the American flag? Did you guys see that? Oh, okay. that's so well, Michael Bay say, though. Michael Bay coming back around. Michael Bay might be the worst about again. patriotism. Yeah. Michael Bay. So he has you know he has every branch of the military in every single movie he makes. I think like that's a requirement. Oh, yeah, for totally. Michael Bay. But and the, and that's, that's a Peter Berg thing too. I mean, I'm. I don't know this for sure, but I would I would assume that the the Coast Guard uh, were act are active Coast Guard duty members uh, that that they you know they showed in the call center or whatever. Um, it, it seems like that's a look. That's a great thing. It's great to uh, obviously to respect and and honor the troops and all that sort of stuff. That is a thing that Peter Berg is going to try to work into to every movie that that he can, and so you know it. It's sort of you have to take it with the territory, I guess. I'm just like this is what comes along with with the movie, and and as long as you can keep it focused most of the time, then great. But there are you know there's little diversions here and there that didn't really. They're so short that it didn't really bother me for for very long. But if if you if he'd hung on the on the flag for two seconds longer, then you're just like okay, man, I get it. You know, let's 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 move on with this. Um, right. But I, I felt like it was as limited as, as, as I could expect, I guess. And I, and then he got back on track pretty well. The actual, I guess, oil explosion, the first one, where the oil is mm-hmm. kind of bubbling up and then it just goes crazy, was a very well shot sequence and one of the better ones of the Definitely. year I've seen. Um, Definitely. In terms of, uh, build, like I said earlier, uh, building tension and giving us something that we've never seen before on screen mm-hmm. as far as I mean we've never seen that that uh kind of see, that kind of a uh, disaster portrayed on screen we don't know what that looked like unless you were there you know what I mean like there's never been yeah, that kind yeah, of totally never been kind of fleshed out like that and I'm just like I'm just in awe of the people that had to experience that and and totally. and all that and you know um Thank you. You know, that's all I have to say for doing that kind of work and everything because they're putting themselves in, in harm's way every day for, uh, mm-hmm. really for the American economy when it comes down to it. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. that's great. And, uh, thank you so much for that. But that scene was intense and it really, you kind of have to, I'm surprised they didn't go R with this. I mean, you, you, you're, you are making a movie for everybody, but I mean, what they ex- what they experience it's tough you know like you, you kind of mm-hmm. have to show yeah. it to show like man these people this is an event that matters you know um right. you can't you can't water yeah. this down because you don't have the emotional impact like you really have to see what these people went through same with lone survivor you know you kind of have to 
see it all, you know, in order to fully mm-hmm. like a 127 hours kind of a thing. Like if if 127 hours happens and they cut away and you don't see James Franco sawing off his arm or whatever, and you just kind of like a credits roll and it says James Franco ended up cutting off his arm, and like that's <laughs> the end, you know, like you kind of right. you don't appreciate it as much. Um, so I appreciated them kind of. Um, telling it like it is, or like it was, yeah. you know, like, sure. you know, this sucked and it happened and we kind of have to see it and accept it and kind of clear the air about it because it, uh, people had to go through this. So, um, one thing that I didn't mention earlier was the Mark Wahlberg, uh, jumping off the oil rig with the girl and she was going to kill herself or stay on the rig or whatever. Um, yeah. I thought that was a g- well done narratively and everything. Um, they didn't mm-hmm. play it up too much, but they put it up the right moments. And uh, they didn't harp too much on it at the end. It's kind of a cool little nod and an exciting sequence, too, of jumping sure. off the oil rig before it blows up. And kind of another touching scene, heart-wrenching scene, is where they're calling out the names of the people of the crew on the yeah. other yeah. on the rescue ship. Gosh. And they're like, so many people that they were calling just weren't there. And they're like, are you sure they're not here? Are they somewhere else? You know, kind of a thing. Like just mm-hmm. trying to deny the fact that they're not not going to be there anymore, you know, and uh, that was sad and effective, you know, as far as paying respects to the people and telling it like it is, like I said. So um, yeah. that was a good choice, directively, uh, from a director's perspective, uh, from Peter Berg. So how did we feel that the ending was was handled? Any ending any ending thoughts? Um, no, Richard. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I thought Brad would go. Uh, yeah, I thought, uh, you know, it is tough to do this without big music swells and big. Uh, it, you guys know I have an aversion to. There's a certain uh, barometer of heart that I'll I'll kind of bail on emotionally, but I thought this handled it pretty well. I really mm-hmm. did think that this brought this all to a whole. I did thankful the. The work you have to do for an end of a film a lot of times is in the beginning and middle of a film. I know it's a cliche, but like I need to care. And I cared right. enough to what that whatever they did with these people at the end, um, and it helped that it's a true story. But whatever happened to these characters at the end, I, I was I was rooting for them and, and hopeful for them and happy for them. Uh so so I thought it was handled very mm-hmm. honestly for a big you know, popcorn schlocky movie pretty gracefully. Brian, what about yeah. you? No, I agree. You have to earn it. You have to earn that kind of an ending because you can't, it's really hard to do an ending like this in a big movie without, just like you said, without the, the music swells and the, the close-ups and all that sort of stuff. I have no problem with it. In fact, I'm, you know, I'm susceptible to that sort of, uh, that sort of manipulation, but it Your has to, be. <laughs> it has to have been earned you know you you've got to to you've got to make me feel like uh this is this is worth it this is worth that that treatment and i i it did it worked i think it it was treated uh uh with the right amount of uh you know organic heart and and music swelly make you have emotions heart those two things combining to to bring out a i think a quite a good solid and and fitting ending i think yeah, and the other ending, the kind of uh, epilogue, I guess, um, mm-hmm. is they show the names of everybody along with pictures of them at the end. Sure. Another little good, a great touch, actually, um, mm-hmm. at the end of this. So, again, 
we kind of it's more educational than anything i feel like um sure and i don't know how accurate it is so i don't want to say you know show this to your history class if you're out there teaching class and listening to our podcast i apologize for the youth of america but um <laughs> sometimes it happens but i i, mean, I don't know how accurate this is but it definitely taught me a lot about the situation and made me respect the situation more. And I remember the oil spill very well and the controversy behind it and how they wanted BP to cap it, but the U.S. government was going to have to cap it because of this expense it was going to cost and all that. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, it's a movie in itself. Um, it could have done a whole another movie about that whole process of the trial and everything and the cleanup. Um mm-hmm. And I'm glad they kind of didn't do that here. They didn't. Yeah. They, they, they kind of show yeah. it at the end. They say the U.S. that BP oil spill was the largest in U.S. history. I think that's like all they say about it uh, in terms of um, the aftermath of the Deepwater Horizon uh, incident. And you know that's crazy. Um, it was it was nuts. I, mean, the, I remember the satellite photos they were releasing after that, and it was all the way up to mm-hmm. England was the the kind of drift of the oil. And yeah. just insane, and um, hats off to the people that kind of got us through it. And uh, the cleanup is still ongoing. I re- I realize that, but um, the whole the the story of having having to cap the the leak is a movie. You know that we'll probably see someday. I would think. Don't mm-hmm. you think? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least a documentary feature. Yeah. yeah I, I would think so. Um. So it paid respects to it and taught me something I didn't. No, I'm I'm interested to see how they do with the Boston bombing one. Is it going to be isolated mm-hmm. to that event, or is it going to be the whole kind of weekend with the chasing the the culprits and everything? Is it gonna how is it gonna play into the people that were wrongly accused of the crime and all that at the beginning? And um, I know a that lot the of stuff uh, to, to do there the Tars Negev, or I, I I will say that incorrectly until I die. The 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 on purpose. Uh, this yeah. Yeah, the suspects uh, of that, they are portrayed in the movie. I don't know to what extent, but they have been cast okay. in, uh, in Patriot's Day. So there, there is going to be something with the, with the kind of hunt for the people that perpetrated that, uh, that uh, awful scene. So we will see how they do that. But isn't that not I – mean, I say this with all respect in the world. Was Mark Wahlberg not like born to do that movie? Like isn't that the most – Boston, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg starring yeah. in, you yeah. know what I mean? Like the most heroic right. story in Boston history kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I just can't wait yeah. to see it, you know? Yeah. The only thing that would be more fitting is him playing Bill Buckner. Or yeah. Or like Kurt that. Schilling with his bloody sock yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see that happening at some point. And then I Kurt Schilling's like know. video game career and all that yeah. crap. That <laughs> of Wahlberg. Oh, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a great deal. <laughs> I yeah, I had never seen the poster, or I mean, not the poster, the trailer for Patriots Day until I saw this, and uh, the trailer is effective. Yeah, I will say that, and uh, I did not know that was coming out this year. I forgot or didn't notice that it was coming out this year. So we'll be talking Peter Berg maybe later this year again. Crazy, crazy. Any uh, any last thoughts on? Deepwater Horizon. It reminded me, it kind of fits along with Sully, like you said, Richard. Kind of the same uh, whose side of the story are you on kind of a thing. Yeah, um, totally. As far as this goes, who's at fault here? But uh, wow, this event occurred, and the people who lived through it are incredibly brave and 
we should pay respects to them and and appreciate them. So that was uh that was good. So let's hit grades here. I'm gonna give uh this movie, Deepwater Horizon, uh I'll give it a A minus. Brian. Yeah, that's fair. Um to me this is is kind of like the y'all remember Everest? We saw that a couple years I ago. Like, me of Everest, a, yeah. Yeah. This is to me this is like the good Everest. The, like Uber version of Everest. Like I thought Everest was way better than than I expected it to be, and this is like a several a couple notches above that. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with an A. I'm gonna go with straight A with for this one. Brian. I mean, how dare you? I I bring my child to Disney. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna side with you, Ken. I'm gonna go A minus as well. Cool. Peterberg, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Cowboys fan, Peter Berg, by the way. Screens all his movies for the team before anybody else. It's a fact. So, nice. Peter Berg, you're always welcome on the show. And uh, we'll talk talk some uh, Dak vs. Tony talk, as well as your new movies. That'll be good. That'll be good times. So, uh, let's move on, and uh, let's talk some Weekly Recommends, fellas. I like those. All right. Weekly Recommends. Brian. I'm going to recommend a book, and I'm actually going to recommend the audiobook version of it, if uh, if you're so inclined to, to go that way. Uh, it is a book called TV, The Book. It's by Alan Seppenwall and Matt Zoller Seitz. Uh, Seppenwall is my my TV critic leader, and, uh, and Zoller Seitz is, is outstanding as well. It is a... Uh, it's basically a, a ranking of every TV show or the top 100 TV shows, U.S. TV shows of all time. And uh, they is did it as great... good as the Hollywood Reporter list that came out today or yesterday? <laughs> oh, I don't you see that? No, no, uh, I don't. Did it make well, you? Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter is my Bible. So, I mean, I, anything <laughs> that they put in print or online, I, I'm all in. Live my life by you... their creed. <laughs> Can well, I give I only, you their top five? I only right? use Cinema Blend. That's my only <laughs> resource. Yes, please give me their top five. I'm super interested. And I'm going to hang myself afterwards, I'm sure. No. Here, I got to scroll down. This popped up on my Holly, This picture. is the Hollywood Reporter's top five TV top shows? Top 100, but I'm just going to give the top five. Okay. Let me guess them. Okay. In some order, it's going to be, they're all going to be, are they all comedies or just TV shows in general? I actually thought, and you guys know me. I thought the entire top twenty was a little bit too sitcom heavy. Okay, and that's- good, good hint, yeah. good hint. Okay, I want to go with some kind of combo in the top five of uh, Friends, Seinfeld, uh, um, I Love Lucy, and uh, sitcom heavy. Huh. Um, Not just the top five, but the top the Simpsons. 20. Okay. Um. Sopranos. I had I had to have had three of the top five already. I already knew. You did. You know what? I'll just give you guys the top ten really quickly. Number ten, The Simpsons. Okay. Mm. Number nine, Mad Men. Okay. Number eight, Ahead of The Simpsons. I, mm, interesting. I know. Number eight, I love Lucy. Already. Okay. Number seven, Saturday Night Live. Ooh. Number six, The Sopranos. Whoa. Whoa. Number five, Seinfeld. Uh-huh. Number four, Game of Thrones. Come on. Number three, X Files. What? Come on. Number two, Breaking Bad, and the number one show of all time. Cheers. Any guesses? Brian guesses. Cheers. Ken, yeah. your guess. 
Uh, Mash. Number one oh, show of all one. time, Friends. Oh, I man. guessed it. Wow. Well, oh, that's weird. I'm just going to give you guys a spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Seppenwald does not agree with that. Okay. That's it. I didn't so, think so. That's why I brought uh, it's it's a great. I'm about I'm probably about a third, maybe maybe a little more of the way through, and it is. Uh, they did it very scientifically. They came up with a uh, a grading system. They compared notes. They are the the two guys who wrote it. They are reading the book, which I always like. They have uh, very good voices, and you get the right inflection on all the stuff that they've written. And they kind of take turns. So like, uh, Seppenwall reads for one show and then uh Zoller sites does the next one and it it works really well um and so it, it kind of flows they're all well thought out if you've never read alan Sevenwall, he kind of pioneered um episode by episode tv criticism uh, episodic tv criticism and it, it works really well in this format um i'm really enjoying listening to it i think you guys would, would like it as well and uh i think what makes it great is the I think I had a set like here's the top 10 shows of all time coming in. And uh, when they disagreed with me by the end of their conversation, I was like, you know, I'd kind of come around like, okay, yeah, I get that. Like, I see what you're saying. I not, not like uh Hollywood reporter where I'm just like, no, that's wrong. Uh, most of what they said really made a lot of sense. And, and it's interesting to see kind of the behind the scenes. Well, give us some spoilers. What, what, what was controversial that they talked about? Um, the I don't want to ruin the whole thing, but the they there's a long entry before they actually start listing off uh, from one to one hundred. Uh, they basically transcribe a, a, a G chat between the two of them, trying to determine after they turn in their grades. They had five shows that tied for number one, and so they then had to to tie break between those five shows. That to me was the most interesting aspect of the book so far. Was just the back and forth, it's literally like a, a transcript of their back and forth, uh, trying to sway each other one way or the other and, and hash out number one through number five. Um, and you know, all the reasoning was very good and it, it was, you know, I'm listening as I was driving and, uh, the, the number one show for them turned out to be the Simpsons and, uh, Seppenwall was, was arguing hard for the Simpsons and Zoller sites was arguing I can't remember if he was arguing for something else in particular or just like against the Simpsons, but you know, his, his entry, his thought. I've read it a little bit, Brian. I think he was arguing for entourage. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He just said, Oh yeah. Over and over and over. And finally seven wall just caved and they put, yeah. Um, whatever he was arguing it, he made a very valid point about, I think it was the wire or Sopranos. I think it was Sopranos, uh, made a very valid point about Sopranos. And then we went back to Steppenwall and he made a very valid point about Simpsons and I'm coming, okay, yeah, maybe the Simpsons. And then went back to Sopranos. Like, yeah, it's the, it's the Sopranos. And then come back to, you know, and so it was a, it's a very engaging, thoughtful uh, critique without being pretentious or, or uh, overly um, harsh on anything or just, you know, you know how this can get with, uh, with criticism of any type, it can get uh, real, real right. deep, real, real heavy, real easily. And then I think they avoided that while still giving it, all of these shows the fair uh, treatment and consideration that they deserve. So well, it's a I, really interesting book. It's well written. You guys would really like it. I think. Great. Yeah, it's on the list. Well, I, I was a huge fan of the X Files. It's not the number three show of all time. No, any, no, absolutely not, not. even close. I, absolutely I don't, not. I feel like they throw stuff like that in just to get clicks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You'll never no, get what number out there, three guys. is. Truth is out there. I don't know right. what you're talking about. 
I love the X-Files. X-Files is a fantastic show. I think it fell somewhere in the between 15 and 20 in, in Steppenwall's book. And it that seems fair and fitting to me. Uh, number three is that's absurdity. <laughs> it's just absurd. <laughs> it's cool. funny. Insane. All right. Well, good to recommend, Brian. Appreciate that. Um, Richard. I'll make mine quick. South Park's great this year. Watch South Park. It's hilarious. Kent, what about you? It's been pretty good. It's been a little bit of a letdown for me, to be honest. I think I'm thinking it's so funny. In terms of giving us new stuff, it hasn't been great. In terms of playing off stuff that's been in the South Park lore before, in seasons past, it's done a great job of kind of continuing the story. You know what I mean? I just want to know. I just want to know what Cartman's up to. He's up to something. And we'll we see. just we're, we're going to slowly get to the bottom of it, and it's it's going to be glorious whenever it is. I love my and favorite horror. South Parks are the ones where they just go completely out of the realm of like any kind of story in like like the the Warcraft episode, and you know like right. just the the random offshoots from the actual world of South Park are the ones that I enjoy more than the uh, we're going to do serialized narrative for a whole season kind of a thing, you know. Uh, which is what they've been doing. Um, so I'm excited for them to kind of just go get random again, you know, and uh, and see, hopefully yeah. we'll have some kind of random episodes this season. But I love me some South Park. I'll always will watch it. Uh, good stuff. Um, have you guys seen the Amanda Knox documentary on Netflix? No. I have not. Okay. Um, it's on Netflix. Uh, it's called Amanda Knox, I think. That's it. Um, and it uh is worth a watch i guess and uh maybe an episode someday not not an episode but a discussion maybe in weekly recommends at some point on it um i kind of like these documentaries that have been coming out i mean there's like mm-hmm. i guess we're on nostalgia murder now like that's our thing in pop culture is like remember all those famous murders let's just talk about those you know oj and we got to do just some amanda knox we had a john benet ramsey doc come out like on ABC or something uh, this summer. And so uh, it's just very popular, right? And it's trendy to talk about famous murders, you know? And mm-hmm. just waiting for the Charles Lindbergh baby, like, uh, tell-all, the nine-part tell-all on PBS that, you know, Ken Burns presents Lindbergh, the the dark, unsecret uh, past. No, stuff like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> very trendy right yeah. now. Um, This kind of falls along with it, but uh, she's kind of like the narrator of it or kind of tells the story. That's kind of the different a different way to do it. It's very well made sure. as far as being well shot and edited and everything. So it works from a production standpoint, but uh you can watch it yourself. Um have you still not seen OJ, Brian? No, when am I No. We need to there's, do an I've episode. gotta watch all these friggin' pilots yeah. crap. Like there's so much stuff. Like I need a week off to just watch TV and get caught up on everything. We need so, to do an episode that's I don't know. like maybe I'll pull another two thousand raves. OJ, John Bonet, Amanda Knox, <laughs> and we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk the Nines brothers. Yeah, we're talk to Jordan Vandersloot kid too. We're gonna talk uh, <laughs> some Oscar Pistorius and Elizabeth Smart. It's gonna Gosh. be a great hour. Just wait. Gonna get really dark and inappropriate. Yeah. Forgot about the Menendez brother trend is definitely so 2017. I can't wait. Yes, that's totally coming. And I'm ba- I'm already. Did I tell you guys that I'm starting it. I've started my production on my Menendez brothers limited series. Well, you better hurry up. I'm sure there's eight more coming. Well, Ryan Murphy and I. I didn't want to talk to you guys. I don't want to spoil it, but we are already shooting. The script is locked. So I'm going <laughs> to talk to you guys about it. Um, 
Ryan Murphy and I are shooting it. Um, it's going to be on FX next year, and I have some casting news to announce. Very uh, excited. The Menendez brothers will be played by the Scott brothers, otherwise known as the Property <laughs> Brothers, um, from HGTV, which I'm super psyched about. Um, and that's... Didn't know the Menendez brothers were into magic. That's weird. <laughs> well, they are in my version. And so, anyway, I just, con- I just want to congratulate Jonathan and Drew Scott. They're doing a great job. Ryan and I are super pumped. And I look for that next year. Jonathan and Drew Scott, the Property Brothers, are the Menendez Brothers on American True Crime Horror Story Magic Story Hour <laughs> on FX. So anthology, anthology. Can't wait. Part one. It's going to win all the paying attention. That weird part in the middle. We're going to win all those. Awesome. Can't wait. All right. Well, it's been fun, guys. Tonight we yeah. talked Disney. We talked natural disasters. We got uh, we got it all in. Uh, by the way, the cup. Okay, we got it all in. Um, <laughs> now you see me. Now you see me. Now you see me. Yeah, now you see me. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, Ted Cruz loved now you see me. So we just need to put that <laughs> on the record. Uh, just like, oh, of course, Ted, you're he from did. Texas, man. He, he can never be president. Can, can this man ever be president? He he he, he tweeted that he loved now you see me. I mean, what kind of a person? Can't wait for Trump to use that in the, in the next election. <laughs> That would this be, guy what's great loves not even, now you see me. Okay, not even that. Can we trust his judgment anymore? <laughs> I did not like now you see me. Yep, Lion Ted. That's his name. No. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get out of here. Uh, Brian, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden or the Mad About Movies podcast newsletter. New issue went out just the other day as we are recording this. Uh, another one will be out at the 1st of November. Subscribers are getting way up on that. We are overwhelmed and thrilled. But, hey, if you listen to this show, you will love the newsletter. It takes five, ten minutes to read tops. Enjoy it. Kent, where can I find you on the on the uh, old interwebs? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and on iTunes. Hit subscribe, leave us five stars, that helps grow the show even more, which is what we all want. And uh, thank you to our sponsors, of course, for making this episode happen. And until next week, in which we will be talking uh, The Girl on the Train, I believe, next week. Yeah. So look forward to that. Good. Uh, we'll talk to you then, and we'll see you at the cinema. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs>